This is Trice Talk Mini Pod for a Monday night, August the 23rd, 2021, and I'm your host, Donald Wayne. Mini Pod is that gap filler between episodes of Trice Talk, a mini version, if you will, of our regular show where I limit these subjects and the time for the show itself, at least sometimes. Hopefully tonight, that'll be one of those times, right? Hey, everybody, thanks for checking out this episode of Minipod. Um, tonight's article is actually one that I had on the agenda for last night's uh, Trice Talk show with uh, Dennis Lee. But because of time constraints, uh, I saved it for tonight. Um, <laughs> it happens to us a lot when we're doing our uh, Tristock shows, we, we generally have more articles available to us than we uh, have time to get to. It just really depends on the amount of banter and how long we end up uh, chewing the fat over the subjects that we do have uh, that we get to. So anyway, I, I like this article because I, I, it's, it's something uh, I was in the apartment business for a number of years. And although I wasn't, <laughs> I didn't, you know, I was just one of the peons. I, I didn't actually uh, have any money invested in it or anything. I kind of understand because I did a lot of the purchasing uh, for maintenance supplies and stuff like that. I had a pretty good idea and I worked on the budgets with management every year. So I had an idea of what it takes to may, uh, to, to run uh, not only just apartment uh complexes themselves, but uh, it gives me an understanding of what it takes to uh, own property, rental property in general. So I wanted to use this article and it's from the Epic Times and it's by Enrico Trigoso, I guess. I hope, Enrico, I hope I uh, didn't butcher that for you, but it's titled, Everything is Becoming Very Communist, Small Landlords Protest eviction moratorium in front of New York governor's office. So I'm, let me, let me, uh, quieten the boys down here on the band so I can, uh, just before it gets into that, uh, boat montage song that Dennis Lee makes fun of me every time that comes on. All right. So, and I will be posting this article, 
as I usually do, or we both do when we use articles on the shows. Enrico goes on to say, a group of about 100 landlords gathered in front of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's office on August the 20th to protest the eviction moratorium imposed by the CDC. This is a New York landlord group. We're here to protest the eviction moratorium. Trevor, oh my gosh, Rampersod, Rampersud, told the Epic Times. It's allowed for bad actors such as my tenant who has not had a change in income who just simply decided not to pay rent. I actually started my eviction back in September of 2019 before COVID-19 even existed. Ramper said doesn't believe his tenant doesn't have the means to pay rent and said that the tenant has caused serious damage to his property for which he has had to pay to get fixed. And that's the uh, Ramper said, not, not the tenant. He's still going to work. On top of that, a large part of his income is honestly an inheritance. He has a very vast inheritance, Ramper said said. He owes $28,000 in rent, plus the property damage. You're looking at about $80,000 in whole. Oh my gosh, <laughs> $80,000. So he's done over $50,000 worth of damage. I mean, how in the world do you do that? I mean, I remember, um, this is a sidebar. I remember when I was in the apartment business, one of the worst situations I ever saw uh, I mean, there were some pretty bad ones. I mean, if you're <laughs> people who've been in the apartment business had anything to do with tenants moving in and moving out can give you all kinds of stories, but I won't, uh, that's not connected here, except this one particular story, thinking about this guy's $52,000 worth of property damage. Uh, we had, uh, we had a new property years ago down in Atlanta. And uh, the company I work for, not I didn't own it. And these are brand new, brand new units. And uh, we had uh, particular uh, tenants that had not, I guess they'd been in there less than a year, but they had gone several months without paying rent. And of course, in uh, Georgia, it takes a while to get people out of an apartment anyway, even for failure to pay rent. The courts are, are pretty lenient about that uh, for a number of reasons. But but the, really the important part of the story is not only did they owe several months worth of rent, but it was during the wintertime. Um, and all these apartments had fireplaces. And in this particular unit, when we were able to access the unit, when they finally moved out, I guess they moved out in the middle of the night or something, but when we were finally able to take control of the, uh, or possession of the apartment, these people had taken every cabinet in the apartment and burned them in the fireplace. I'm not joking. All of the brand new cabinets in their kitchen, uh, I believe all the cabinets from the bathroom as well, they burned them as wood in their fireplace. So I know firsthand 
what kind of damage people can do to rental units. Anyway, so back to the story. Rampersud said he wants the courts to open. I don't think that there needs to be an eviction moratorium. If you apply for rental assistance, your eviction is automatically postponed, he said, of the state's emergency rental assistance program, ERAP. I guess that's something uh, just for New York State, I'm not sure, or New York City possibly. If you have a pending application in that program, then you are not going to be evicted. Rampersud said that he thinks there are deeper reasons behind the federal government's introduction uh, or introducing the moratorium. I believe that not the moderate left, but the more socialist left believes in the cancel rent movement. They believe in free housing. They don't believe in landlords providing apartments or rental properties. Rampersud told uh, the Epic Times that he feels that there is a similarity to the communist revolutions in the past where the landlords were targeted by the revolutionary movements. Also at the protest was Ray Huang of the National Property Association, who said landlords were gathered to make their voices heard. New York State and the New York City courts are not only not opening up the cases, but they are delaying them. They don't know that the landlords are the ones who actually have been affected more. We needed to be treated fairly, he told the Epic Times in Chinese. The majority of protesters were of Chinese ethnicity and were small-scale landowners from Brooklyn and Flushing whose tenants are not paying rent or only paying partially. These policies by the government have turned good tenants into bad tenants. They don't pay rent even if they have the money, Wang said. He said that in one extreme case, he had to beg a tenant who had, hadn't paid rent for a year to leave as he was drowning in the cost. When asked if there is any middle ground to be found, Wang said that at a minimum, the government needs to open up the courts to adjudicate disputes. People who are really in need of help, we're willing to help them. There's no problem. They can pay a bit later. But the situation now is that they have money but won't pay, and you can't raise a tone of voice to them. The law is protecting me, they will say. So really, small landlords have been driven beyond the limits of forbearance. I think that more than 90% are lying. Now, that's his opinion, right? We believe that last year during May and June, they, they may not have been able to get work. But now it's August 2021 and the basic occupations have all started running again, he said. Small landowner... Uh, uh, UN Zing. We'll try that. Small landowner UN Zing concurred with Rampersud and leftist policies were to blame for the situation. Landowners used to be protected by the federal government. If these bad policies keep going where it's not allowed to evict the tenants, it will result in landlords not having the interest or will to invest since we can't get any guarantee. Zing said. He claimed that left-leaning politicians have an interest 
to protect tenants since they are the majority and the politicians are looking to secure votes. If we keep going like this, America will be promoting laziness. Nobody will want to work and we will just want to take welfare from the government. The great pains we went through to buy a home can't get any guarantee. The government will become big and the benefit of the citizens won't be protected, Zing said. It's becoming more left-leaning here. Everything is becoming very communist. Then there is no aspiration for proactivity, working hard and investing. I'm even thinking about selling my property and also becoming poor, he lamented. (laughs) Well, that's a frustrating statement, I'm sure. Wang Hong Wu told the Epic Times that as landlords, they have also been affected by the pandemic, saying that the New York government is being absolutely unfair to them. The land tax increases every year. So does the water bill. The landlords didn't steal the money to buy the properties, he exclaimed. Another landlord, Annie Chen, said, exasperated that New York's landlords are being bullied to the point that they don't know where to turn. My tenant says she doesn't have the money for rent, but I see she has money to ride on Uber, buy clothes, nice handbags. Every week she dumps 10 big trash bags and buys good food. Chen said that she thinks that the government needs to stop creating and pampering this kind of lazy people. Landlord Rosanna Mori's case started as a holdover, meaning that her tenant was being evicted for something other than non-payment. Now, the tenant has stopped paying, but back when I originally started, she was being evicted because my sister needed to move in. I have cancer. I need my family in my house. I don't wish to rent my property anymore. I should be allowed to evict on that premise alone. This woman did not have any problems, no hardships, She claims hardships, but there hasn't been a change in her income or anything because she's on Social Security and that wasn't affected by COVID. Maury's case to evict the tenant started in 2020. I would like to tell the authorities that there needs to be some sort of delineation for cases like mine, cases that started as holdovers that then became issues of non-payment should be allowed to evict at this point, she said. So this person is literally living in my home for free while I'm working three jobs with an incurable cancer. The Epic Times has reached out to Cuomo's office for comment. Uh, I got news for you, Epic Times. I doubt if Governor Cuomo's going to be addressing any issue like that. I mean, I think he's in the uh, waning days of his administration, I believe. I think he's supposed to be out by the end of the month. could be wrong. All right. So that's the article in Epic Times. So uh, there's a number of things that I could say about that article. And it is New York City. And I know that you hear stories about New York City sometimes, uh, you know, of, of unscrupulous landlords and high rental rates and people jacking rents up. Uh, just because they can, not necessarily because uh, economically they have to. Of course, people buy properties to make money. They spend money. They get uh, 
you know, they get, they take out mortgages. Uh, of course the, the smart ones and the ones with money actually buy properties that they can pay cash for. But I, I guess if you bought, uh, I mean, I don't really know how that works in New York city, honestly. Um, I, I, I guess you could have, uh, multiple different owners of different apartments, uh, in the cities and, and not necessarily have like one big entity that owns all the apartments in some cases, but however that works, um, it, it's unfortunately the liberal left and possibly many Americans think that when you're talking about landlords, you're talking about a bunch of rich corporate types that own apartment buildings, rental homes and such. They might even tend to think of slumlords when they're thinking of, you know, rental unit owners. Uh, I happen to know one person, a very, very nice couple that owns a, a number of uh, houses, nice, fairly nice houses that they rent out, uh, quite a, a, a large number that they purchased back when the economy, uh, a lot of people were being foreclosed on back in the, um, gosh, what was it, uh, 2010, maybe 2011, somewhere around in there. And uh, I've often wondered, you know, during this past year, I haven't seen them in some time, but how you survive when you've got that many people uh, units. Of course, fortunately, uh, in their case, I believe they're all paid for. So sometimes, you know, you have a little bit of a leeway in that sense, but you still should be able to collect money. People should not be able to use your stuff for free for any length of time without some kind of compensation. If the, you know, it's, it's even if they can afford, if they don't have mortgages on those places that they rent to you, it's still income that they expected to have at a certain time in their life. And they rightfully should have. I mean, the reality is, though, there's a lot of small-time investors, many times older couples or individuals that invested savings in buying rental houses or, or units to help provide a modest income stream for them during their retirement years. I mean, I've, during my 20 years as, as being self-employed, I've come across a number of small-time uh, investors that, you know, some, you know, sometimes their age, their age ranges are anywhere from the fifties to sixties. Um, but they're still looking at these properties as, as, uh, income for them in their retirement years. But even if you're talking about apartment building owners, there's a limit to what they can absorb without, you know, uh, suffering some kind of, um, uh, issues whether you know they end up uh, being foreclosed on themselves for the properties that they have for rent or if they just you know uh, the expenses get the best of them and, and they just declare bankruptcy and then they end up losing the property anyway now, I mean there were clearly some circumstances last year that people were in because of the shutdowns that needed some kind of intervention until money was available to ease the situation until people could go back to work. And yes, the consensus was so many Americans were forced out of their jobs, were basically forced into poverty because of the federal government 
and the COVID, well, not just federal government, but the governments, state, local, federal, whatever, uh, and because of the COVID situation. And it's it, it was very difficult last year to figure out a way that would be fair. You know, if you have people that were doing well and they were paying their rent and do, taking care of their obligations and then COVID comes along and knocks knocks so many people out of work and then they can no longer afford it. Uh, yes, there was an argument that could have been made last year about, you know, uh, whether or not it was fair to put people out in the streets. Although in this country, it happens quite often when people, and it's not always, you need to understand this. It's not always uh, a situation where people don't have the money to pay the rent or, uh, you know, and, and a lot of times it is because people lose jobs and so forth, but sometimes people lose jobs because of themselves, because of their conduct or, or their lack of conduct at work or their lack of performance at work. But there's a, a number of reasons, but last year was an exception. But the problem is when people were able to start going back to work, according to this article and according to other things that I've read, that there are those people in this country that love to take advantage of situations, that they will not go back to work if one, we're getting government checks to where, you know, hey, you know, I can get by on this. I'm not having to pay rent. I don't know what they're doing about utilities. Uh, and we've talked about this before on Tri's Talk. Uh, how come we never did hear about car payments? You know, because if people didn't have jobs uh, and they couldn't afford rent and they barely could afford groceries, I wonder if all those people that had car payments, I wonder if they were able to make the car payments. I never heard a ruckus about it about people having their cars uh, taken away from them because of lack of payment. But I was surprised. I was very surprised last year that we didn't hear stories about that and that the federal government was going to step in and start making people's car payments or, or helping out. But, you know, it didn't ever seem to make uh, the mainstream news, so I don't know that it became a problem. I don't know how they worked that out. Now, a lot of uh, companies where you purchase cars, especially last year. I know in, in my own business, I used to get uh, notices from uh, people that I I do make payments to for various things being in business, that if I needed assistance or if I needed more time to make a payment on something, that all I needed to do is contact them. So maybe people worked it out with their, uh, you know, uh, the people that they owed their car payments to. But, um, you know, it, and the other thing here is if the government, when they suspended, uh, you know, renters obligation to pay rent, if they were unable to do so, and, and they suspended the landlord's ability to evict them for non-payment, why didn't then, right at that very moment, why didn't the government step in and say, okay, we're taking that revenue stream away from you. We're going to give you money too. So they could pay their mortgages or, or make the mortgage payments. 
<laughs> for the property owners, that is the ones, you know, like I said, that uh, uh, bought them and had mortgages on them. I mean, typically apartment buildings, apartment properties, uh, apartment complexes, if you will, generally are not paid for in cash and there are mortgages to pay on them. And you can imagine how big those payments would be. But um, why didn't the government step in at that very moment? If you're going to suspend the, the bill, uh, the, uh, the obligation of one to make a payment, then why wouldn't you suspend, suspend the obligation of the other to make their mortgage payments? Oh, well, then that would affect the big money people in this country, right? The mortgage companies, the banks, that's that's a whole different issue. A lot of those people contribute money to campaigns, right? Well, you know, and, and, and there's one more issue out of that. What about all of this back rent? That one uh, gentleman in New York City was talking about he was owed, was it, $38,000 in rent, I believe it was. Or twenty-eight. Uh, it's $28,000 in rent. Back rent, he was owed. Well, nobody's ever going to be able to catch that up. So basically, you're telling that property owner that he just has to claim that $28,000 as a loss. Unless he owns an extremely large amount of properties it would be very difficult for him to ever recoup that $28,000. Now, maybe if he has a, you know, depending on his taxes, he may be able to get some relief in his taxes based on that. But all of these people, and I gave a statistic the other night on, on Trice talk about how many millions of dollars, uh, of, of lost rental income, there has been since the pandemic and the government stepped in and said people didn't have to pay or you can't evict them anymore because of non-payment. Basically that's it. So if you say you can't evict them because of non-payment, then a lot of people chose not to pay anything, even when they were getting assistance from the federal government. And while the American people are arguing about, what is fair in this rent issue, the federal government is continuing to find ways in which they control their lives by making us all dependent on their interventions to save us when things are really rough. And just remember that the, the government doesn't give you anything that doesn't have a string attached to it, even if the other end of the string is too far away to see what's there but you will someday on that. You can be sure. All right. That was the article I wanted to share last night. Um, I want to thank you for listening and downloading this episode of mini pod tonight. If you have, if you uh, like this or any of the Trice talk family podcast, which includes Trice talk and mini pods, please be sure to follow us on whatever media you're listening to uh, these uh, episodes on. I'll be back tomorrow night with Dennis Lee for Trice Talk Tuesday night. 
And uh, don't forget, we have a contest going on during our live shows for the next three weeks. Uh, We're going to be giving away several copies of Mark Levin's new book, The American Socialism. So be sure and join us at the very beginning uh, of the Thursday night's live show when we'll be sharing the details with you about how to win one of these books. Um, and we will be giving away a book, uh, at the, um, end of each live show. Uh, but we'll give you the details. So, uh, just hope you'll join us early on on Thursday night so you can get in on the details and you'll need to be during the show, most of the show in order to rack up enough engagement points to uh, be considered for, um, to be the winner, I guess. I guess I started to say for the drawing, but we're not going to be drawing. We're going to be going by engagement point. So check us out early Thursday night. Until then, keep your eyes open and your mind sharp. Just be sure and pay attention, everybody. There's something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Battle lines being drawn Nobody's right If everybody's wrong Young people speak in their minds Are getting so much resistance From behind Every time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down